All right, so man, it's great to have uh, a lot of the students back in. I know some, some students are still creeping back into town, uh, but it is good to see uh, smiling faces. Daniel, right here in front of me, I haven't had my Yossi fix for like a year, it feels like. So this is perfect, and front row. Uh, so this is great. Um, but uh, welcome to everybody, to the parents that are here who are dropping their children off. We will. We promise to take really good care of your kids uh, this semester, and uh, your kids are in a good place. Uh, this is a fantastic group of disciples here. Um, it, you know, it's funny um, when the school year begins, I think everybody has a little bit of anxiety. You know, it's like when you start school, I know that you freshmen that are starting, it's exciting, and at the same time, it's, it's, uh, there's a weird mix. There's a weird mix of like, I'm excited, and I'm, I'm scared, and it's easy to feel even kind of lonely. You know, it's easy to feel that way. It's easy to kind of look around and go, man, it seems like everybody else kind of has it on straight, and they have it together, and I'm trying to figure all of this out. And, and really, hopefully, what you get from our times together, when we come together here, um, hopefully this is a place when you can take just a deep breath and just relax um, sometimes isn't it weird that church even becomes a place where you're most tense? Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt that before? <laughs> Don't lie to me, okay? <laughs> you are in the Lord's house, as you can see right here, okay? <laughs> but we walk into church sometimes and we're so tense and nervous even. And we sing songs, and I don't know if, if you love singing, that may be a good thing for you. If you're like me and you're petrified of singing, it can be fairly painful at times. Um, and so, but we really want that. We want you to be able to come in here and take a deep breath and, and hear the Word of God and to be able to sing. And our ultimate goal is we want to love God more. Amen. We want to glorify God. We want to allow Him, all right, not us, we want to allow Him to mold us into the best versions of ourselves, the, the most faithful version. When, when God created us, there was a most faithful version of you Amen. and of me. And that's what we want. And you know what's funny is that sometimes we get so caught up in like controlling that, we forget that oftentimes when I'm like in control mode of that, I'm getting in God's way. Yeah. Like I'm messing him up. Like when I figure out I have it and, and I know exactly what to do, We're going to talk today about a subject that will be the most important sermon of the semester, of the year. Jennifer Graham is like, listen, that's ridiculous. Don't give me that kind of drama right now, okay? Rolling her eyes right there in the front row, you know? (laughs) But, But this really is, there are so many things that we could talk about, and this is the most important. And I would love for you to write this down. And I'm not talking about the delivery of this message. Don't, don't think that, oh gosh, this is going to be so, this is going to be delivered so perfectly. Let me lower the standards for you right now, okay? Let me, let me lower those so you're like, yeah, okay, the topic, what we're talking about is the most important thing that we'll hear this semester, And it's something that God has something to say about as well. And it's about the idea of worship. And every one of us in here, we are worshipers. 
every one of us. And that doesn't mean you're worshiping God either. Yeah. We're, we're built. There's this thing that, that God built inside of us that, that just draws us into worship. Yeah. All right. And people have been doing it forever. And they're trying to figure it out and going, oh, man, look at that, that star in the sky. Let's worship the fire in the sky and let's worship the stars and let's worship. And, and we have this, this inclination. And this is really important to God. And hopefully one of the things that you learn is that we, we want to think biblically. Sometimes I think um, it may even sound like we're trying to think outside the box. What we want to do is think inside God's box. Like he's got the perfect box. We want to figure out what's in there. All right. And we've got to redefine things sometimes. Have you ever, I know a lot of us in here, you've grown up going to church. And so, you know, like the holy things to say, you know, the right answers, you know, Jesus is the right answer for every question. You know, you know, the right things and you know how to behave right here. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. We know how to behave and we know to be very proper and very quiet in church, right? Because that's what God wants. And, and, and we, wanna re, we need to redefine some words, and worship is one of them, okay? Because one of the things that most of us are most, like, we think worship is oftentimes music, right? Like our worship portion of the service is when we sang. Have you ever thought that before? Have you ever, like, thought, okay, that was our worship portion of the service and we've we, we must redefine this amen all right it isn't music although music may play a part in amen. it all right and god has a lot to say i want you to turn in your bibles over to romans chapter one and hopefully you're taking notes here's the thing is is, is there's going to be uh, i'm going to throw scriptures out we're going to talk about some things i hope you get in the habit of taking great notes and so you can go away and two reasons. Number one, make sure what I'm saying is true. All right? And, and that's important. And, and I think sometimes people feel like, well, if you're preaching in a pulpit, that everything you're saying has got to be exactly right. And, and, and I'm going to just, let me blow the lid off of things. You know, preachers are wrong a lot of times. We mess up. I have made mistakes up here preaching. Yeah. All right? Not so quick on that, okay? <laughs> He's like, yeah, absolutely you have, okay? But it's important that we leave here and go, hold on a minute. Let me see if what he was saying is accurate. Let me see if it's true. Let me, it's going to take more time than this 30-minute block of time to, to sink into my heart, all right? It can get into our heads, but, right, we talk about how we need it to sink down into our hearts, right? And so God has a lot to say about uh, worship here. In Romans chapter 1, we're picking it up here and. And uh, we're going to start. Where are we going to start here? Verse 18, okay? This is a happy verse right here. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven, right? We're going, wow, why did we start with that verse? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without 
excuse. And so what God is telling every one of us, it doesn't matter. You may be a Christian. You may not be a Christian. Whatever it is, God is saying, I have revealed myself clearly to humanity. Like there is no excuse to be able to look at his invisible qualities and to look at nature and to look and go, wow, that whoever created that, whoever's in charge of this thing, he is awesome. All right. He said, there's no excuse. And then in verse 21, for although they knew God. Okay. Now that's the thing is sometimes we feel like that's like the, the, we feel like, man, I know God, I'm good. All right. But he said, no, they knew God. They didn't glorify him as God and they didn't give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and they claimed to be wise, but they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And so they're going, we know God, but we're going to create idols and we're going to say that's God. And so therefore, in verse 24, God gave them over to their sinful desire. Right. Has any of you ever, has your parents ever said you've, you've pestered them about something you have been, uh, you just, and your parents are like, fine, do it. Right, go, go see, go, go and see what I told you. Okay. And, and this experiential, if you really want to do that, go ahead. Okay. And so God does this in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires. Of their hearts to the sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. All right? And so he said that there's a switch. They knew God, but there was a switch of, of worshiping created things things okay and and we think well i don't worship a bird people most of us in here probably you don't have a bird that you're worshiping you don't have a little wooden statue you don't have those things uh, but but we do this right isn't it easy it's yeah. easy for me there's there's created things that we can worship yeah. right and god is like no 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 this is ridiculous remember he started out up here and he says the wrath of god is being revealed to those who are doing this this kind of worship where it's been switched around, okay? Turn over in the Old Testament, Isaiah 44. You get a little bit of a workout here. You're like, man, okay, this is a big book in the Old Testament. Isaiah. And I want you to be asking yourself this question is, what kind of worshiper are you? Amen. And I don't want you to think like, well, compared to the guy next to me, I'm great. I don't want you to do that. I want you to think if, if Jesus was sitting right next to you and he were to put his arm around you and said, what kind of worshiper are you? How are we doing? What would you say to Jesus? And, and, and you, you're trying to look away maybe like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, no, 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 right here, right in the eye, buddy. What kind of worshiper are you? In Isaiah 44, um, it's interesting in verse 12, says the blacksmith takes a tool and he works it with the coals and he shapes an idol with hammers and he forges it. He gets hungry and he loses his strength and he drinks no water and he grows faint. The carpenter measures with a line. He makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out and he chisels and marks it. He shapes it in the form of a man 
of a man in all his glory that it may dwell in a shrine. He cuts down cedars, maybe a cypress or an oak, and he lets it grow among the trees, and the rain made it grow, and it's man's fuel for burning, and some of it he takes and warms himself, and he kindles a fire, and he, bre- and he bakes bread, but he also fashions a god and worships it, and he makes an idol and bows down to it. Half the wood he burns in the fire, over it he prepares his meal, he roasts his meat, and he eats his fill. He also warms himself, and he says, ah, ah, I'm warm, I see the fire. From the rest, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down and he worships and he prays to it. And he says, save me, you're my god. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they can't see and their minds are closed so they can't understand. No one stops to think. That's the key that we've got. No one stops to think. God is telling Isaiah right here, he's saying, this is crazy. You guys are taking wood that I built the tree, I, and you're making, and you're, you don't even realize that you're, the, you're burning up half of it, and you're worshiping the other half, and, and the point is, if you just stop and think for a second, <laughs> and me and you have to do that too, yeah. okay, because yeah. here's what happens when we worship mindlessly is it becomes just like this routine, right? Like you have a quiet time every day and it's just a routine. And we think because we read the Bible that everything's going to be okay. Instead, we forget who we're worshiping, the author of the Bible. Amen. Right? That message that's been written, right? And so that's one of the things we've got to stop and go, hold on a minute. Maybe I need to stop and think. Like what kind of worshiper am I? Why is this the most important thing that we'll hear this semester? Okay, because there's a lot of things that we could take out of the Bible and say, listen, go do this. Listen, go out and share your faith with everybody. Go out and reconcile with your enemy. All right. Go out there and, 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 and you know, be transformed. Go out there and, and, and help people. Go out there and serve the needy. Okay. And all of that's great. But people who don't worship God do those things. Yeah. Right. right? Are we on the, we've got to be on the same page with this one. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you've got to sink in there because we're a doing people, which is like, no, just tell me to do something and we can forget. Hold on a minute. I'm not even worshiping God. Yeah. All right. That's why this is the most important thing right here. We're starting the root, like the Lord said. OK, we are taking that root right now. OK, that's beautiful. <laughs> but uh, so so there's two things. OK, there's. When it comes to worship, I want you to think, okay, well, what's the, how do we redefine it? We're, we're, we're defining it biblically, and there's two sides to one coin here that, that we've got to understand, okay? Do you remember when Jesus met the woman, John chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but you can write that down so you can read it. He met the woman at the well, all right? And, and Jesus uh, met her there, and they're talking, and they talk about worship. And he sits down, and she said, you Jews... You say we have to worship in Jerusalem. My people, we say we worship on this mountain. But I see you're a prophet. And Jesus is like, hold on a minute. There's going to come a time, and he says, there's a time, in fact, it's right now, that you will worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay? And that word he uses for worship means to 
prostrate yourself. Means to bow down. Means to humble yourself in front of God. That's what they're saying. And, and Jesus even says there's going to come a time when you humble yourself, like you bow down in spirit and truth. It's not on this mountain, and it's not on this mountain over here, okay? And what's important about that is the two sides of the coin is there, there's a side of worship that is about just humbling ourselves before God. Yeah. Okay. And then Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, I urge you, brothers, like, let's think about that for a second. If Paul were to come to you and say, I urge you, Juliana, to offer your body as a li- in view of God's mercy. Could you, he, this is just kind of one of those side things. How merciful has God been to me and you? Like, I know when I forget about this, I get all weird, okay? How merciful, because the truth is, is the more, like, I want to, in my deepest part of who I am, is to feel like I'm really better than most people. (laughs) And and we share that in common, probably, (laughs) all right? That's why Dave's chuckling right now. (laughs) He's going, yeah. But we, me and you, we share that in common, which really deep down, I need to know I'm better than at least most of you in here. Does that sound like Jesus? Not at all. Okay. That's that sinful, arrogant desire. And when we forget about the, when I'm trying my best to be better than people, I forget about any mercy because I don't feel like I've needed any mercy. Like I feel like other people need mercy, but why would I need mercy? Because I'm superior. We're, we're better. And if we're not kind of in touch with that deep darkness in our character of who we are, we're going to really miss out on Romans 12 when he says, I urge you in view of God's mercy, in view of how messed up me and you are and how merciful he's been, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, Amen. holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that's a different type of worship. What that worship is, isn't humbly prostrating yourself. It's that you go and serve humbly. Like this is your humble service to the Lord. So there's this worship. And so those are two things I want us to think about here is there's two sides to that coin of worship. One is come and one is go. Okay. One is I've got to come to Jesus every day single morning. Amen. Okay. Now, if you're thinking, is he saying if you don't have a quiet time in the morning that you're not? No, no, no. I'm saying for me, but every one of us has to do this every single day. Okay. Here's what I have to do. This is what I'm learning. All right. Is I have to come every single day and bow down and humble myself. And I've got to remind, I have to verbalize this. You're Lord and I'm not Lord. Your Lord and my feelings aren't Lord. Your Lord and my mood is not Lord. Your Lord and what I think is right is not Lord. Like I have to verbally, I, I can get myself so wrapped up, and my wife will share this with you, so knotted and wrapped up, tight and tense, all right? And what ends up happening is, is what I'm really telling myself and who I'm worshiping becomes me yeah. is my feelings are Lord not Jesus. 
My moods are Lord, not Jesus. Right? How people behave. They're Lord. People are Lord. And what they think of me, not Jesus. All right? So that's the first thing every day. This is the, again, I, I want to like really drive this home. This is the most important thing we're going to talk about is every day, are we not just having a quiet time? Am I getting down and worshiping God every single day? I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3, okay? This is the thing I've been going through every single morning because it like resonates with me, all right? It, it, it's, you know, we, we spent the last week, me and Abby spent the last week and we went on vacation with, with her family at the beach. And then we went over to Tallahassee and we got to be a part of a wedding uh, with uh, a brother and a sister in the church. And it was really great. But if you guys are like me, sometimes vacation and family and all of these things can become a mixture of like anxiety and stress and like just kind of get you don't have to admit that, okay, but I'm admitting that to you, okay, and so every day, and there was a side of it even where I was like, man, I, this just doesn't feel good on the inside, like I feel like I can get through it, but it just, I'm feeling like bad, I, I don't feel like I'm in the right place with God even, right, and so every day, this is what I'm reading, I'm coming down to God, and I'm going to him, and it's it's great, Hebrews 10, 19, uh, what's really cool is he says, when we come into the presence of God, we can do it confidently Amen. because of Jesus. All right, that that's, should make us feel a little bit better Amen. about doing this. Colossians 3, since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Then he says, set your mind on things above not on earthly things. Yeah. And now this is the cool part of that verse. He says, because you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Like this should be really good news. Like he says, you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. And when Christ appeared, when what he says is when Christ, who is your life appears, you'll appear with him in glory, okay? So he's starting out, and this was such a connection in my mind of thinking, wow, every morning I've got to humble myself. And this is the reason, since you've been raised, and, and, and you may even be in a place where you're going, oh man, I'm not a Christian. I don't even know what that means. I don't know. And, and, and the goal is, man, that's where we've got to ask lots of questions, okay? That's like, we, we've got to get in there and study out the scripture but if you've been baptized into Christ, then he's saying, since you've been raised, set your heart on things above. That's what I've needed to do. But then he goes further. He goes down and he says, put to death everything in your sinful nature. Yeah. All right. That's the time to do it. When we're worshiping God and we're reminding me and I'm reminding God, you're Lord and I'm not Lord. You're, since I've been raised with you're Lord and I'm not Lord. And he says, okay, put to death the sinful nature right here. Put these things, your sexual morality and your impurity and lust and evil desires and greed and idolatry. And we have that choice to make every morning when we worship God alone. And we, we remember, I am putting this to death again. Like this is going away. And, and God isn't saying, hey, you get to save yourself. But he's saying, you do get to make this decision to put this to death. Amen. Put this to death. Put these things. And while you're worshiping, while you're coming to God in worship, 
every single day. He says this in verse 12, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. That, that means that's what the church should be known for. Amen. Humble, faithful, gentle. When do you need patience, by the way? Like, we all want patience when you don't need it. Like, when do you need patience? When someone's, like, taking you off. <laughs> when somebody's not doing what you think, you know. And this is what happens in church. This is where the church gets all weird. Because we start thinking in our humility that we know what everybody else needs. And let me, and then we start like telling, why aren't you doing that? And we, patience is like a forgotten discipline in Christianity. But then he goes on, he says, and by the way, bind all these things up in love. The, the, I would love it. We're not going to do that. But to stop, if you stop right here and you turn to the person next to you and say, do you think I love people? <laughs> like, would people say that about you? Would people say that about me? Would they go, yeah, you know what? It's really clear. You love people. You know what? If the answer is no, if you're thinking right now, the person next to me would go, hmm, no, I don't think they'd say that about me. We got to stop. Like 1 Corinthians 13, anything done without love is what? Who remembers that? A resounding gong. Is that what you, do you want to invite your friends to that church? Do you want to invite your friends to come over and hang out and go, hey, we're like a resounding gong. It's awesome. You know, we will irritate you in the first 20 minutes, all right? Because we do everything without love, all right? And this is the part of worship is we are grounding ourselves humbly and everything I think is the right way, I'm going, no, you're Lord. If you say patience is the right way, that's what I'm doing. If you say love, that's the way, I'm doing it. If you say humility is the right way, that's what I'm doing, although I don't think that's the right way, maybe. All right? That's coming to God every day and worshiping. But then we have to go. Like, we can't stay in our dorm. We can't stay in our apartment. We can't stay in our home. We've got to go, all right, and turn over to 2 Corinthians 5. So in 2 Corinthians 5, it's amazing. He uses the same wording right here at the beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, so, so this is the thing that, that I really want to encourage you to do, is make it your mission that you will not start a day out without worshiping God. I'm talking about prostrating, humbly, Amen. like God, whatever your will is, like in, in, enable me to do that. Your Lord, I'm not Lord. And there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made during the day that will challenge that, right? Yeah. I mean, there, people make that challenging. I mean, just human beings, we make it challenging enough. But then in college, you have decisions like, am I going to cheat on that exam? Because if you get a bad grade, and if you get a bad grade, you could be sunk. Right? Take it from somebody who got caught cheating on an exam in college. Don't do it. I'm just saying, just trust me on that one. <laughs> Okay, bad idea. It actually didn't help, all right? That's a stunner right there, isn't it? All right? 
But you're going to think, there are going to be times that happen, and I'm talking to the college students more than anything. There are going to be days that you think in your mind, I, I'm not even going to consider if Jesus is Lord. This is just a decision I'm going to make like just emotionally. And it might be to cheat. It, it might be to go and start taking drugs. It might be to go out and get drunk. It might be that where you're not even thinking. It might be just a relationship. You might be thinking right now, I need a boyfriend or a girlfriend so badly. Don't worship created things. Amen. And I'm talking about that in dating. Don't worship created things. All right? It's that idea of Jesus is Lord. And here's the thing about it is if I can't slow down to make a decision, it's not a decision I need to be making. Like we tell our kids, if you have to know now, the answer is no. All right? That's a great principle for us to live by. You know, hey, come on out with me right now. We're going to go to, hold on a minute. Let me have some time to think about it. No, you've got to come right now. Then the answer is no. All right? I've got to think. Remember Isaiah 44, just stop and think. All right? But we've got to be worshiping every day. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, he says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you, but are, are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what's seen rather than what's in the heart. For if we're out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died that those who, who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Think about this. Worship is go. And everything me and you do, everything we do is worship. Yeah. All right. He's saying, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we go because Christ's love compels us. So the most mundane thing me and you do this week Will it be done differently if you know this is worshiping God? Yeah. In my class, how am I worshiping God? With my friends, how am I worshiping God? How am I being a servant? Remember that word, go, it's to be a servant. How is that? So those would be two great questions to ask some close friends. Is, am I known for loving people? And am I known as being a servant? The two aspects of being great at worshiping God. Am I these two things? We've got to ask that question here. But he goes on. He says in verse 16, Now when we go out and worship, when we go and worship, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. In verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation the old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, God's, or Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Does that make a difference to you when you know that God is making his appeal to the world at your workplace, in your classroom, in your dorm, in, in our families, that God's appeal is coming through us? 
Does that make a difference in how we should do things? Doesn't that make a difference? Yeah. It's going, man, okay, so that means what comes out of me, people are going to go, wow, that, I, that I'm going to judge God on that. God is making his appeal through us. So we've got to come. We've got to come to God and worship. We've got to go. Amen. Every day, our, every single day. And here's the difference. Sunday morning is not worship. Sunday morning, we get to come together and praise God. We get to come together and take the Lord's Supper. We get to take communion. We get to come together and fellowship. We get to come together. This changes when we worship God seven days a week. Amen. This changes. Yeah. I promise. There will be such a... I, just, in, just in doing this for five or six days, I feel like a 50-pound weight is taken off my shoulders. Uh, just I'm not I'm, and I'm not talking about like I, I mean really thinking this way and we show up here and you know it's so much easier to enjoy the fellowship it's so much easier to pray it's so much easier to take the communion to sing to be together to praise God so I want us to think about that is what are we doing how well are we worshiping how well are we worshiping and I want to finish up I want to close out with this quote right here from, from Billy Graham. He says this, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. The greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and helpless. The greatest form of praise is consecrated feet Seeking to help, seeking out the lost and helpless. All right, he describes perfectly the idea of worshiping God, bowing down humbly, consecrating ourselves, and then going and seeking out the lost and the helpless.